Thank you, worship team. Thank you for the song, the last song, especially Goodness of God. Uh, it's a song that I love a lot. But before I go into the Word of God, let us pray. Let's bow our head and pray. Father Lord, we thank you today. It is an awesome day. Given us, O oh Lord, an opportunity to come into your house and to listen to your Word. I pray today, God, that you anoint the Word of God, that you speak to us. Allow us, O oh Lord, to experience, O oh Lord, the joy of knowing you and reading the Word of God. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. There was an article I read recently about a young girl by the name Brooke. The article was entitled, A Child Frozen in Time. Brooke lived in Maryland at a time with her mother and father and her three sisters. What you see on the picture of Brooke, you would think she was just another six-month-old infant. She weighs about 13 pounds and measuring only 27 inches in length. The only problem is this. Brooke was not six months old. She was actually 12 years old. For some reasons that nobody knows, Brooke stopped growing when she was six months old. Can you see a picture of Brooke? And her mother was actually carrying her. That little child right there was not really a child. She was a teenager. So the parents first noticed the problems when she was about a year old. And she had not grown or matured any further in the past six months. Sadly, Brooke passed away in 2013, still looking like a six-month-old toddler. She was 20 years old, but her body and mind had never grown larger than a toddler. Doctors still do not know why Brooke never, never grew. It's really a mystery. There's another mystery in which I'm more familiar with, and that is the mystery of people in the church who do not grow. In his book, uh, written by John Ogbert, the Life You Always Wanted shares a story about a gentleman, he called him Hank. Hank was a member of his church, and Ogwood calls Hank the man who never changed. Hank was cranky, irritable, negative, critical, and judgmental. And although Hank went to church all his life, as Ogwood writes, let me quote, Hank was not changing. He was once a cranky young guy and grew up to be a cranky old man. But even before troubling, then this lack of change was the fact that nobody was surprised by it. It was as if everyone simply expected that his soul would remain bitter and sour year after year, decade after decade. The church staff did have some expectations we expected that Hank would affirm certain religious beliefs. We expected that Hank would attend services and avoid certain sins. But here is what we did not expect. We did not expect that he would progressively become the way Jesus would be if he were in Hank's place. So Awkward goes on to talk about the importance of transformation and growing in the Christ-likeness throughout the rest of the book. So why is that some people in the church 
attended church regularly do not grow in their faith? Why do they stay the same year after year? How is it possible that someone who came to Christ years ago could still be a baby Christian, just as infant in Christ, a child frozen in time, just like a little brook? But we do have an answer to this question. Some babies do not grow because they are not given proper food or nutrition. If you do not feed a baby, the baby will not grow. And it is the same with us all Christians. We're in a sermon series on growing deeper, and today's message is growing deeper in the Word. And we must understand the incredible importance of the Scripture for spiritual growth. John chapter 15, verse 7 to 8 says, Jesus says this, If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. A chapter earlier in the Gospel, was in John chapter 14, Jesus said these words, let me read this, NIV version. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, say, but, the, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. You should remember last week Pastor Ray preached on? Maybe I should give a pop quiz. Just kidding. So, no need to panic, and please don't leave the Zoom worship service today because we love you, and we want you to be here this morning because we're talking about spiritual growth. How do we grow into the person God wants us to be or the person that we know we should be? The metaphor that Jesus uses is that of a vine and a branch. A branch. Here is the vine. We are the branches. If we remain in Him, we will bear much fruit in our life. This is a powerful metaphor. But let us be practical. How do we remain in Christ? Great questions. Think about it. Jesus actually elaborates all the verses I just read earlier. He says one of the ways you remain in Him is by having the Word remain in you. Jesus says here, that one of the ways in which we can remain in Him is by knowing, obeying, and being shaped by His Word, that is, the Bible. I sincerely hope this year you should take on a journey to know God through the Scriptures. The Bible is the way in which God has chosen to reveal Himself to you and to me. We know who Jesus is and what He is like through the Scriptures. The primary means we have for knowing Christ is the Bible. 
This means that if we are to remain in Christ, we must have a healthy relationship with the Scriptures. There's a few observations this morning from these two passages we just read earlier. We read the Scriptures so that we can remain in Christ. Let me be clear here. The purpose of practicing spiritual discipline is not to experience more of the presence of Jesus in our life. Can you say amen to that? You see, there is an error in thinking that many Christians believe. It is that by doing spiritual things, we can earn God's acceptance or earn God's favor. Here's what I mean. You can do all the right things, like memorizing a set of formulas, hoping that you will do well in exam. Likewise, you may read your Bible and pray a few times in a week. You may serve as a ministry team in the church. You may volunteer to do things in the church. You may have given your 10% tithing to God. Then something in your life does not go the way you hope for. And you say, God, this is, what, this is not what I signed, signed for, up for. See, this kind of spiritual thing that you have done is not to experience more of Jesus, but rather to gain control over Him. When you choose to build your life on the Word of God, you can rest assured that you will receive the blessing, approval, and commendation of God. Luke chapter 11, verse 28 says that, Blessed are those who hear the Word of God and keep it. I have two quotes here, one from D.L. Moody. He says, The Bible is not given to increase our knowledge, but to change our life. And Spurgeon says this, A Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. In one of the articles, and this British author and theologian uh, by the name Andrew Wilson wrote this, quote, the question I was thinking about recently was this. Why do we read scriptures? Why is it that we are trying to achieve as we do? What are the marks of reading it successfully? Question mark. Here is one wrong answer and five right ones. We do not read it to earn. It is so easy to be tricked into thinking like this. But the purpose of reading the Bible is never to present God with a good work that entitles you to a reward. You are no more justified after reading a Bible for an hour than you are after playing PlayStation or having breakfast or going for a walk. Quote, what Andrew Wilson was saying is that we, we study, we read, we sing, we pray, and we even meditate on the Scripture. Scripture is to get something from God. But to experience more of God, we do not read our Bibles to earn anything from God. We read the Bible to experience more of God. Let me suggest five ways that reading the Scripture helps us to remain in Christ. I have five letters that I want you to remember. The first letter is L. Remember that. L. We read the Bible to learn. Learn what? 
We do not read the Bible to learn trivial about the Bible. We do not read the Bible so that we can win arguments, especially theological arguments. That type of knowledge actually pops up. It makes us arrogant and prideful. Actually, no one likes to be beaten with the Bible. We read our Bible to learn about who God is, to learn about His Word, to learn about ourselves, and about how all those things fit together for His purposes. Psalm 119 verse 73 says this, Your hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding to learn your commandments. See here, the psalmist proclaimed God as a creator, and he understood certain obligations to God because he was fashioned by the hands of God. And he also asked for what? Give me understanding. In his thoughts of God the creator, the psalmist prayed for understanding. He recognized that this was something often misunderstood. And one could ask for and expect help in understanding both how God created us and what our obligations are to our creator, the maker of life. We gain much understanding by considering God as creator, especially as the creator of man. One biblical commentator put it this way. Let me quote this from Bridges. Every part of creation bears the impress of God. Man, man alone, bears his image, his likeness. Everywhere we see his tracks, his footsteps, here we behold his face. Close quote. And he also said that I, that I may learn your commandments. See, the understanding of God and man as creator and capture, creator should lead to this humble relationship in which man admits his needs to learn, to learn God's word, which is his commandment. His word is a command from a wise, loving, and righteous creator. If you want to remain in Christ and bear fruit, you must read the scripture to learn about who he is and what he's doing in the world. My second letter is D. D stands for, we read the Bible to discern. See, spiritual maturity is not just knowing what you think, but how you think. It's not just knowledge, but wisdom. When you read the Bible, it shapes the way we think about everything, whether the subject is directly addressed in its pages or not. Diligence in reading scripture produces fruits of discernment. See, seven years ago, my spiritual journey came to a crossroad. I cannot decide whether I should turn left or turn right or go straight at the crossroad. So I wrote to a good friend of mine for advice. In an email, he shared a personal story with me. After he graduated from seminary school, he had two job offers. One was as a young adult pastor at a large church. That is a church he thinks he could influence a lot of people and a great opportunity for ministry at a church also he respected. Another was at a small church 
as an associate pastor where he could carry a lot of responsibility in all areas of church life. It was out of the spotlight, but it gave him more opportunities to preach and sharpen his pastoral skill much better than the large church job, is what he said. He was torn between these two offers. So he sought wisdom, some wisdom from one of his friends, and his friends say this, it sounds like both are good opportunities. The large church sounds great, but it sounds like you are drawn to it because of the chance to make a name for yourself. It sounds like you are drawn to the big stage and the big crowd. I'm not saying that you're prideful, but scriptures say that the pride goes before destruction as you consider this job as yourself. Do you have the humility to carry that level of influence at your age? Then he continued. The small church sounds great, but you sure seem to be drawn to that salary package. The Bible says that a pastor should not be a lover of money or greedy. As you consider this job, ask yourself, are you interested in this for the money or for the ministry it offers? You see, the Bible says nothing specific about what job to choose. But his friends used wisdoms that he gained from Scripture to help him decide and make the decision. In the end, he took the job at the small church. It was out of the spotlight, but God did some incredible things in the four years at that church. And then he gave me this advice. Turn left. Go for the church plan. Knowing you so well, I know you are good with students. You have that kind of heart and grace. And these students are waiting for you. Also, you have a great part-time job and a full-time pay with great benefits. You can be a tent maker. That was it. And that was the best advice I have received. My seven years working with the Koreans, young adults, have been really very blessed and fulfilling. You see, this friend of mine was able to discern my situation. And because of his discernment, I benefited from his advice. Praise God for that. So my third letter is letter T. We read, we read the Bible to turn, to turn from our sins and to turn to Christ. When you read the Bible, there will be times that where we should, it should convict us, make us uncomfortable. There are times when the scriptures will compel us to turn our sin and to turn to Christ. See, reading scriptures shapes our thinking, but it also shapes our behavior. Psalms 119 verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Reading scripture produces the fruits of repentance. And this happens not just negatively turning away from sin, but positively turning toward Jesus and following him once more. Martin Luther, the great reformer, famously pointed out at the start of the 95 Theses, the entire Christian life is one of repentance. 
See, when we read our Bible, there will be times where it shines a light on our sin. And then it shows the way to forgiveness. The fourth letter is B. We read the Bible to burn. Andrew Wilson's write this. When I open scripture in the morning, I'm looking for fire. I want passion to rise within me for God and his kingdom. I want heat as well as light. I want joy fuel. I want to experience the God about whom I am reading as if Jesus was personally explaining it to me in the room. And that is a story in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. And after Jesus had risen from the dead, some of the disciples were leaving Jerusalem, very disappointed that Jesus had been killed. They were actually unaware that he had risen. And then on the road to Amos, while these men were deep in conversation with one another, and in the middle of their talk and questions, Jesus shows up and walk along with them. But they were not able to recognize who he was. And then Jesus told them, why can't you simply believe all the prophets say? Don't you see that these things had to happen, that the Messiah had to suffer, and only then enter into his glory? Then he started at the beginning with the books of Moses and went through all the prophets, pointing out everything in Scripture that referred to him. And later, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, Jesus. And then Jesus disappeared from their sight. See, the disciples say to each other, verse 32, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? See, in the beginning, even when they did not know it was Jesus, even when they didn't believe he was risen from the dead, their heart still burned because of the ministry of God's word and of Jesus, the living word of God. See, God's word can have this same effect on our heart, even when we do not know that it is Jesus doing that work. Neither of them knew the other hearts burned until Jesus left. After that, they could have a fellowship of, of flaming hearts together. One reason Jesus left was so that they would love one another and minister to one another. And let Come to my last letter here, the fifth letter, Y. We read the Bible to yearn. When we read the Bible, we read about the past and God's faithfulness to the generations before us. We read of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and how through Him we can receive forgiveness and acceptance before God. In the Bible, we read about how to live how to be the church. But when we read the Bible, we also get a picture of the future, the kingdom of heaven where every tear will wipe from every eyes. Sickness and cancer will be no more. Loneliness will be no more. 
fear and anxiety will be no more. Evil will be destroyed. God will dwell with us. Every tribe, tongue, nations, and language will worship together in unity around the throne of Jesus. See, reading the Bible stirs our heart with desire for another world. As we read, the seed of the kingdom is awakened in us. We yearn for the realities of heaven to become the realities of earth. We yearn for more of God's presence. We yearn for the day when our faith will be sight and justice will roll down like rivers and death will be swallowed up in victory. Out of that yearning comes hope. And out of that hope comes the life that remains in Jesus. We read the scriptures, as I pointed out earlier, the five letters to learn, discern, turn, burn, and yearn. And those things lead us to remain in Jesus, which leads us to spiritual fruits in our life. What type of fruits are we talking about here? You just say the fruit of reading his word is this, is that. His word remains in us. And verse 7 again. If you remain in me, my, and my words remain in you. For one, I think it shows us that time spent in Scripture is never wasted. People get frustrated when they read the Scripture and they don't understand what it's all about. And they may say, you know, I'm not going to read the Scripture again. But regular readings of the Scripture deposit the words of God into your heart and soul and mind. We cannot recall the Scriptures in time of need if we do not read them. We cannot encourage others with the Scripture if, if we do not know them. See, consistency in, in Scriptures will help you to know God's Word. It will give Jesus the time to place His Word in your heart. Then down the road, there will be a moment where you are lonely and you recall God's words. Proverbs 18.24 says, I have a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He will never leave you nor forsake you. There will be a moment when you feel ashamed in your sin. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13 says that. God is faithful even when he, we are faithless, for he cannot deny himself. There will be a day when a friend calls you in tears and you will recall a specific words that encourage them. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There will be days when Satan tempts you or casts doubt in your heart and you will recall the word of Jesus. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3 says, But the Lord is faithful, and He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. See, when I came to the U.S. for my graduate studies at, at the University of Illinois, I was both mentally and spiritually fine. Up until the third year into my studies, I became lukewarm and eventually left the church and then on, embarked on a journey of fun-filled life without Christ. This went on for a couple of years. Then one night, as I was working on my research project in my lab, I was convicted of my sin. When? 
God gave to my memory a verse. I must have learned it somewhere during Sunday school. That was Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And let me quote this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I cannot even tell you when I learned that passage, but it was there, it was there at the right time. It had been deposited somewhere along the way, and the moment I needed it, the Spirit recorded it into my memory and I surrendered my life to Jesus again. And that was a very good moment. See, every single time you sit with God's Word in the Scripture, He's making a deposit into your life. His words are making their home in your heart, soul, and mind. The time you spend reading the Word of God is never wasted. So don't think that way. So time spent with Jesus in His Word will bring about spiritual fruit in your life. Let me give you three promises. The text we just read earlier. If you remain in Him and His Word remains in us, then the first thing will be you will have an effective prayer. John 15 verse 7 says that if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. See, we read that and we're like, ask whatever I wish, I'm in. But read closely. If my words remain in you, ask what you wish. When you read the scripture and the words remain in us, we begin to see the world the way Jesus sees it. We see our hearts. We see our sin, our emotions, the way Jesus sees them. We see others differently, the way Jesus sees them with compassion and love. We see our children the way Jesus sees them. This will change the way we pray. And our prayers will be much closer aligned to the heart of God. When that happens, Jesus says to you, ask whatever you wish. And something is burdening you, and you don't know what or how to pray for that person or situation, Jesus say, open the scriptures and start reading them back to me. When you see a promise in the scripture, remind God of that promise. When you see the name of God, remind God of his character and ask him to be who he says he is. The second thing is, Closeness with God. Verse 21, chapter 15 says that, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. See, when we spend time in Scripture, we will see more of Jesus and less about ourselves, the selfish self. His words will remain in us. Jesus says the Father in heaven sees that and comes and makes it home with us. Does God feel distant? Pick up the Bible. Turn to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John and just read and see who Jesus is. 
as you read about Jesus, you experience, more importantly, the nearness of Jesus, His presence. The third thing is that obedience. Verse 23 says this. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. And let me read 24 also. Whoever does not love me does not keep my word. One of the things I have seen in my life is that the more I am into the Scripture, the more I desire to obey what the Scripture teaches me. When I'm called towards the Scripture, God commands feel restricting. But when my soul is hot from the joy of reading the Word, my desires change and I want to obey Him. The fruit of Scripture is that we will have effective prayers, closeness with God, and greater obedience. And this is the promise of Jesus. So in conclusion, one of the things that the pastors and leaders of Long Island Alliance Church is that we will be a church that loves the Scriptures. That we will be a church that knows that what, we, what they teach. That we will be a church that is compelled to obey the commands of the Bible. That we will be a church that will have a knowledge of Jesus and His love and compassion. That we should be so close to Him that His words would remain in us and we would be a blessing to the world around us just like He was. That would remain, that we would remain in Him and His words would remain in us and we would bear fruit in our city. You see, sports fans read sport magazines. Political-minded people read political news magazines. Carpenters read house plans or blueprints. Doctors read medical journals. Yet there are millions of people in the world who claim to be Christians or believers in Christ and never pick up a Bible and read it. Couples write love letters to each other because they want to hear flattering words of love from their soulmate. The Bible is God's love letter to us. If God's Holy Spirit lives in your heart today, doesn't it make sense that there should be a hunger inside of you to read His Word, to help you in your relationship with Him, to grow stronger? If there is no hunger of Word and His Word, we may need to examine our heart this morning to find out why. The fact is, a physically healthy person normally has a healthy appetite for food, such as steak, potatoes, chicken, or whatever you like. So a spiritually healthy person is no different. When you lose your appetite for physical food, you may need to see a doctor to find out what is wrong with you. When you lose your appetite for spiritual food, you may need to see a spiritual doctor. The good news is that Dr. Jesus, the great physician, is here to treat you right now. And he wants to heal your broken spirit this morning. If you do not know him, he wants you to, to repent of your sins 
come to him, trust him, and let him do the work to change your life and read the word of God. Will you pray with me? Let's pray. Father, Lord, the word has spoken. I pray, God, that the word you just mentioned, Lord, will keep ringing our, our hearts. And I pray, God, you give us the passion again, Lord, to keep on reading your word. I pray as the more that we read your word, that you'll change us, will give us a different perspective of life, a perspective of how we see people and how we do ministry around these regions. We thank you again, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.